0: It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis.
1: And I'm Sky David.
0: Another boring week in NC politics.
1: The legislature does not have to be in session to create news.
0: Monday, there's so much excitement about candidates filing for office. They're all lined up across the state. The federal candidates are here in Raleigh.
1: You've got the announcements, folks on Twitter saying, I have officially decided after careful thought and consideration that I will be running. Or not running. Right. And so it was about 11.40, 11.45 when a three-judge panel halted the filing of elections that were supposed to start at noon.
0: We get to the end of the day, then we find out that the full Court of Appeals reverses that three-judge panel decision, and that filing will resume the next day on Tuesday.
1: So between Tuesday and Wednesday, you're seeing all these nice photos of folks with their paperwork. I think that both parties were kind of rolling out their slate of candidates. So you saw a lot of photos. Very nice, uplifting. All these people saying, I'm taking the step to run for office. And I think about 1,400 people filed between Tuesday and Wednesday. And filing was set to end December 17th. So if that kind of gives you a perspective.
0: Then Wednesday afternoon... We hear that the North Carolina State Supreme Court reverses the decision of the full North Carolina Court of Appeals, and they halt filing for state and federal office, except for that U.S. Senate race and, of course, the local elections. Not only do they halt the filing, they say the March primary is not going to happen. We're going to move that primary to May.
1: And the lower court is going to decide the constitutionality of these districts by January 11th. So we're looking at a pretty expedited timeline. So January 11th and then an appeals process that's also going to have to be expedited.
0: And that part is the unique part. We have had court challenges to the drawing of districts going back to the 80s. Many of us remember those court challenges to the 1990 redistricting, but it is this expedited hearing where they are going to combine the three gerrymandering cases into one, and we're supposed to get a very quick decision in January as to how we're going to proceed. What are some of the options you think we could see? So if there is a court decision in January, I know we don't really know, but...
1: They could order the General Assembly to redraw districts. They could uphold the districts as they are. They could appoint a special master. You kind of have that array of options.
0: My understanding is that the courts must give a second chance to the General Assembly to try to make the maps right in the eyes of the courts. A lot <laughs> to happen between now and January. As folks were
1: talking about filing for reelection, there were a few high-profile folks who decided that they would be retiring and not running for re-election.
0: Senate Majority Leader Kathy Harrington from Gaston County, the first woman to hold a majority leader position in the General Assembly, announced that she is not running for re-election. So we look forward to working with her in the 2022 session and certainly wish her well.
1: Also, Alan McNeil long-serving representative in the House decided that he was also not running for re-election. Between all the folks that are either not running or some folks giving up their seats, the turnover is going to be quite high in this election, no matter what, no matter which party wins more seats, it's going to be high turnover.
0: Yeah, my back of the napkin math says that it sounds like 20% of the Democratic caucus in In the House is not running for re-election.
1: Or they're running for the Senate.
0: This week we saw some announcements on the Republican side, at least on the House side, that they are having a banner year in recruiting candidates. And what's notable about what the North Carolina House Republicans are doing is that they have recruited candidates that don't look like your conventional Republican candidates. They have recruited a diverse slate of folks. I know they're very excited. If you follow Stephen B. Wiley on Twitter, he is very proud of some of the recruits that they've made.
1: We sat down with State Auditor Beth Wood for what was such an insightful conversation. She is so sharp.
0: And to the point. She addressed Some of the issues we talked about last week in the podcast about that rules committee dust up that she had with Representative Shelley Willingham, and boy, she really gives us a peek into what it was like in her early life, some of the decisions she made in her 20s, and how she got to the place she is today.
1: Auditor Beth Wood, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you, thank you for having me.
1: Tell us about where you grew up and where you came from.
2: So I grew up on a farm um, in Route 1 Cove City. That's right outside of New Bern. People ask me why I don't say I'm from New Bern because people are more um, familiar with that, mm-hmm. and I say because I ain't <laughs> I'm from Route 1 Cove City. So that's what I'm gonna. That's where I tell you I'm from. Um, grew up on a farm there. Um, went to college, a two-year college, um, and got my associate's degree in dental hygiene. Uh, Practiced as a dental hygienist for about 10 years and decided I wanted to do more with my life. So I went back um, to school at East Carolina University. I put myself through college by scraping teeth at night and Pell Grants and received my degree in accounting. And in 1987, I got my CPA license. So I worked in corporate America uh, three years um, as a cost accountant for Rayovac Corporation three years with a CPA firm, three years with one of their clients, and eventually uh, came to Raleigh to work with state government. Hated it. Just hated (laughs) state government. Um, When I was in the corporate world, everything was about the bottom line. State government, they couldn't find it. Mm -hmm. So I was, you know, thinking, I don't need to be here. But I stuck it out for three years, and decided I was going to get back out in the corporate world, but found a position with the Office of the State Auditor. And I interviewed for a job. I didn't get it. But the state auditor at the time, Ralph Campbell, was so impressed with me, he created a position for me in the training department. I went from an assistant state auditor to all the way up through director under his leadership. And one day I decided there's never been, office has been in existence at that time for 90 years. Mm -hmm. And there's never been a CPA in that seat. Wow. never. So I decided, we need a new CPA, we need a CPA in that seat. And I thought the day that Ralph Campbell doesn't run, I'm going to run. And it just so happened in 2004, he lost his election. Mm -hmm. So I then worked for the guy for three years that I was going to run against in 2008. And so went out there with uh, no money, no name recognition, uh, just my little car and my story and my message about why I'm the best candidate and I won a primary, and then I won the general election.
1: Tell listeners, who is the state auditor? What do you do?
2: So the state of North Carolina is spending $46 billion, and that's billion with a B, $46 billion a year to run our state government. $13 billion is coming in from um, state income taxes that we all pay. Another $8 billion every time you go out and make a purchase in sales tax. All of us that drive, $2 billion in gas tax. You own your own business, a $1 billion in corporate tax. And then we're getting $21 billion from the federal government for food stamps, Medicaid, money to build our roads, our bridges. So all this money, while it's coming in a sort of different streams, is still coming from us, the taxpayers. (laughs) And so I came into that agency and was thinking, wow. This is the only office, this is the only agency, we are the only eyes and ears that the citizens who's paying in this $46 billion, the state auditor's office is the only eyes and ears that you have to make sure your monies are accounted for properly, they're recorded properly, they're reported properly, but I think more important, did anybody waste? Mm -hmm. Did anybody waste all these tax dollars coming into the state of North Carolina? Mm -hmm. Wish I had some good news.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So under your purview, if you get this tax money, state money, federal money, it trickles through the state in some way. Whether you're a small nonprofit that gets an allocation, whether you're the university system, whether you're the Department of Revenue, you have the purview to go in and audit them. How do they find themselves in the till, so to speak?
2: It's set up my required audits, our financial statement audits, and auditing the 21 billion that comes in from the federal government. We look at that um, state government, um, all of the state agencies, uh, the universities, 16 universities, plus um, the School of Math and Science in North Carolina, mm-hmm. 58 community colleges, but they're all getting a financial statement audit. Okay. And we're looking at grant monies. Were they in compliance with the grant? Those are required, not very helpful to the citizens of North Carolina. Our performance audits are the ones that come in and look at, did you waste my tax dollars? That is the discretionary work that I do. Um, And so we look at where the most dollars might be at risk for being wasted. And we pick our topics from there. If I get into a not-for-profit, it's usually from, I have an investigative unit, and it's usually because there's an allegation um, that somebody has misappropriated, misspent, stolen monies out of that not-for-profit.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: So, So when you talk about your purview, it's a little overwhelming to think of all of these different agencies, the schools. What is your staff? How many folks do you have working under you? How many divisions do you have?
2: I have 148 staff uh, positions and about 126 of those are auditors, 14 of those are investigators. Uh, The vast majority of our work right now is on these financial statement audits that we're doing at the state of North Carolina, universities and community colleges. Um, And then we are um, obviously trying to do as many performance audits and information technology audits. Plus, I have 31 investigations sitting in my investigative queue right now. Um, So a very talented staff, very talented staff, but not enough to get around to all the work there is to be done.
0: And just to be clear with listeners, you don't work for the governor, you don't work for the general assembly
2: you're right i don't report to the governor and i don't report to the general assembly and um, the citizens of north carolina hire me and the citizens of north carolina are the only ones that can fire me
0: so you're up every four years yes you'll be up for re-election in 2024 yes 28 and so on let's back up a little bit to your upbringing on route what route is it again route one cove city it sounds like you came up in very humble beginnings
2: Um, People would even say that we were poor. Okay. And um, we we worked the fields with the hands um, that worked with us. I have two brothers and a sister. We were out at 3.30 in the morning taking out a barn of tobacco, and then we went in the fields and put in another barn of tobacco. I have cropped, handed, uh, looped, um, topped and suckered, you name it. I've done it out in the fields. Um, But we all had to work together to survive the hands that my dad hired as well as us we as a family Um, we would get in at five o'clock in the afternoon and go in the garden and pick the food for lunch the next day
0: when did it come into focus that you wanted something else At what age were you
2: 29 years old (laughs) okay i was 29 years old when i decided i have scraped all the teeth i can scrape there's not that many more if i if i want (laughs) to move ahead in life Um, I had to do something different and so I frankly went back to my first love and that was math and went back and got my accounting degree and then on to get my CPA license and um, it truly was my first love and and I've been happy that I did that
0: so pardon me for pushing here but so you're in high school and you have this love of math why wasn't going to college right away an option or why did it take so long
2: because there's a man involved okay (laughs) there was a man involved um, it, I was in high school I was gonna marry my high school sweetheart and we were gonna I was gonna be a dental hygienist and that was like a eight to five job kind of thing and we were gonna get married and have two kids and I was gonna have a boy and a girl and the boys to be born first I mean I had this all planned out and I did not marry my high school sweetheart and um, ended up marrying um, getting married um, but then I ended up saying, you know, if I got to look after you and me, I might as well just get a divorce here. And <laughs> it'll just be me. And then I decided, you know, I, I want a career um, where I can take care of myself. Okay. And so I decided that time in my life, 29 years old, I need to do something different um, and go back and get an education that um, allows me to be able to do more and grow more and have a career that I can take care of myself
1: so how did you decide from working in state government and saying I hate this I don't like it to deciding you know what I do want to run and I want to change maybe the state auditor agency how did you make that sort of decision
2: Well, I I decided to be perfectly honest with you. I decided I was getting out of state government because, again, I had a really hard time with the wasteful spending, uh, with the fact that nobody knew where the bottom line was. Nobody even seemed to care. Um, Made a couple of attempts through a headhunter to go to work for one of the hospitals here in the area. They didn't want to talk to me because I had been in state government for three years. Hmm. I was tainted. Hmm. So um, a friend of mine told me about this position at the state auditor's office. I was so impressed. With the state auditor, he met with me personally. So impressed with him and, and what he was trying to do for the citizens of North Carolina. And then when I actually, I didn't know what the state auditor's office did. Nobody does. Mm-hmm. And so when I learned that this is the agency that's auditing these billions of tax dollars that my family's paying in, and I know how hard it was for my dad to make ends meet on the farm, and I thought, <clears throat> this is just not. You know, this agency's not running exactly like it should, so I'm, I'm in there, I'm, I'm teaching courses, I'm teaching internal controls, and I'm teaching statistical sampling, and I'm teaching um, how to audit the compliance grants, and I understood that, that we weren't doing our work mm-hmm. in accordance with um, the standards. And so I kept running and telling Mr. Campbell, and we're not getting this done like the standards called for, our performance evaluations. Everybody's getting it, exceeds expectations, but we can't get any work out the door. And he's like, that's why I heard you. Take care of it. So working with him. and But then I just, so I'm working with these deputies, and, you know, they're saying things like the standards are getting in my way, and we just, you know, we just need to do things the way we've always done them. And I'm like, oh, my God. But you know what? I was the boss, this job would be a lot easier mm-hmm. if I was the boss. So I made that decision knowing how critical that agency is and recognizing wasteful spending, seeing at that point in time for ten years how much wasteful spending was going on, I thought I can do this. I absolutely can do this better. Mm-hmm. So I decided to run.
0: You've had to make some tough decisions. We reported on this in last week's podcast. There is a bill. That is now on Governor Cooper's desk. We're recording this, by the way, on Monday, December 6th. This is a bill that you were were working with Senator Lisa Barnes on, and it has to do with giving you some more tools as far as the audits that you're doing with local government. I think it's Senate Bill 453. Can you talk about this legislation and why it is so important to your office?
2: It's um, Senate Bill 473. A
0: 473.
2: And um, so all along um, as state auditor, we have run in, we can investigate at local governments allegations of misappropriation of money, stealing the money, whatever. So as we have moved along, um, we came across a really big um, issue in in the city of Rocky Mount. And the city council member there used his position to not pay his utility bills but to not have his utilities turned off. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and this has gone on for years. And he used his position in that he when it was time to have somebody was coming to turn his utilities off, he'd call the city manager, went through two city managers, mm-hmm. and they stopped the utility bills from being his utilities from being turned off. In twenty thirteen the city wrote off eleven thousand plus dollars of his utility bills. In wow. twenty seventeen they wrote off Thirty-six thousand plus dollars, but again, we had evidence that showed he stopped the utilities from being turned off through his position as city council member. Through his position as city council member, he um, had a part in the city manager taking his bills and his accounts away from the utilities department and being handled personally by the city manager and the finance officer. And so this was him using his position, not how he was elected. So when my staff is talking about we have this finding and I'm like, so what law did this you know, violate? None. Hmm. Are you kidding me? You've got an elected official. All these people are believing in to do the right things and take care of them and he's used his position for personal gain. There's got to be a law. No, there's not. So for many um, findings that we have had with local governments, we had um, in the town of Haven, there was allegations that a mayor was buying votes by not turning off utilities of the people that he was trying to get their votes from. Now, you had only about 1,200 accounts. You had 623 dollars worth of accounts receivable for utility bills over 400,000 were to the point that they should have been turned off could we prove that he was buying votes no but did the numbers support that that's probably going on yes so at the very least it was an abuse of the seat and then we have another city manager who used the town funds and bought a wetsuit and tanks and a gun and ammunition and all these things that he didn't need to be a city manager, clothes, Yeti coolers, put his name in them, but because he returned them to the city after he got caught when he retired, now all of it, again, abuse of his seat. He was pulling money out of the departments, the fire department, the police department, the emergency department, pulling funds out of there and and they were hurting. So this has been going on for a decade, Mm -hmm. these types, but the big one, was when this egregious abuse in the city of Rocky Mountain, and people asking me, you know, what law? And I was asking what law, and there's not one. So, decided that there needed to be, there is such a law for general assembly members. Our legislators cannot abuse their seats for personal gain. There's a law that covers them, but there's not a law for local elected officials. And if you watch my work over the next 60 days, you will see more and more of this abuse of their power, of their seats as an elected official. We needed this law to protect the citizens that live in our local governments.
0: So what's notable about that particular rules meeting last week was that you were in a debate with a sitting Democrat on that committee who represents Rocky Mount. You're a Democrat. He's a Democrat. There were also some allegations that I think many of us thought were inappropriate, that were lodged at you. And we've heard them both external in the General Assembly, charges of racism, in that committee that maybe you're abusing power. Can you talk a little bit about that confrontation?
2: Absolutely. Um, he is, he, he's wrong. He's leading this charge. And, and he's representing people that if this law is passed, things that they're doing will be unlawful. So he's working against their pressure because he if this law it gets passed it will stop them from being on the board of a not for profit or the executive director of a not for profit and then voting as a city council member to give themselves money. Not that the, about that is right, but they don't want it to stop. So they're pushing him to try to stop this bill. Um, I was challenging him on many fronts because um, he says that my um, report is about allegations against the city council member and the city manager, and that's not true. Um, All you have to do is go down to the city of Rocky Mount, sit at their computers where we sat, and all this information is sitting right there. Um, It's all been audited by their CPA that they hired. So again, he's just trying, and and the racism thing, um, when I talk about being hired by Ralph Campbell. Mm -hmm. He's the first African-American Council of State member in the history of the Council of State of North Carolina. Ralph Campbell and I were hip-to-hip, shoulder-to-shoulder, and brought that agency forward into being more of what it should be. Um, He and I traveled together constantly when it wasn't readily acceptable Mm -hmm. for a white woman and a black man to be traveling together. We got the looks, and he and I would just die laughing over mm. it. But we were comrades. We were working together to bring this agency because he loved the Office of the State Auditor, and he loved what it was supposed to be doing. So to call me racist is laughable.
0: And we're talking about Representative Shelley Willingham. Yes, yes. Democrat
2: from the area. Yes. He's saying that the Class H felony conviction can go back three years. Not true. Right. He's saying that this does not apply to all um, local governments, just to the cities of Rocky Mountain and above, that is not true. He has his facts all wrong. And for everything he said that I called him out on it, he had not a comeback because I was right and he was wrong.
0: You must have just very thick skin in the work you do. When you show up and you issue an audit, and we've seen them reported in the media, they really are damning.
2: They're very damning. But one thing that I made up my mind to do and at first my staff said that's that can't be done but we've shown them is that we produce irrefutable findings so when there's nothing we've got our findings locked down so tight you can't argue with me just like the other day when he tried i was able to put his arguments in the dirt because i know what i'm talking about because i got my evidence to support it so realistically this has really been Um, one of the most contentious in 13 years is State Auditor because they just keep moving from one argument to the other. You know, first it's he really did pay his utility bills. Well, we've asked you four times for the receipts. Where are they? The city can't produce them. He can't produce them. So then it went from that to, um, well, it's really only .002 percent of Rocky Mount's budget. I don't care. You know, it's not fair. You've used your position. And then they went to, well, now she's a racist. Y'all decide. Which is it? He paid the bills. It's not that much of the budget, or she's a racist. So every argument that I give them. And then Willingham um, accused me of using this as a campaign issue in the city of Rocky Mount. And he said I was there more than he was during the campaign year of... um, 2020. And I said, no, I'm there defending all the lies y'all are saying about me. (laughs) I did not go over there and campaign not once, not once. Every time I was over there and I was on TV or I was on the radio, it's because they had already been on TV or on the radio calling me a liar, no evidence to support what I'm saying. And so I did show up several times, but it was to defend being called a liar. Um, and a racist and that my report was not supported.
0: When we're in committee, there's a lot of texting that goes around between lobbyists, staff members, legislators, journalists, just kind of exchanging ideas about what we're seeing. And a Republican texted me. I'm gonna read this text that he sent to me about you. She is dressed like a movie star. I love her. That coat, that suit, rock star. I wish she had run for governor. I love it. (laughs) What do you say to that?
2: I'm very appreciative for those compliments. um, But I would tell you that I have thought about the governor's position. But I believe that the work that we're doing in the state auditor's office, uncovering where the wasteful spending, if I step out of the role of state auditor, then who's going to find the wasteful spending for me, the governor, to fix? Mm-hmm. So um, I think this is the best place for the talents that I have is in the state auditor's role. Again, we are uncovering inefficient spending with irrefutable findings at a local government level, at a state level. And I am not sure I could be any more effective if I was governor.
1: On a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you love your
2: job? 12. (laughs) 12. (laughs) (laughs) You
1: can tell. Yeah,
0: you can. You can tell.
1: If you had a magic wand and you could fix one thing in our politics today as we are so divided, poof, it's gone, solved, what would that one thing be?
2: If I could figure out what is causing the divisiveness. I work with the governor. He's a smart guy, got the best interest of the state of North Carolina at heart. I work with Phil Berger and his staff, Senator Phil Berger and his staff, get that man the respect he deserves, and Speaker of the House Tim Moore and his staff. Um, Tom McGinnis, um, I've worked with Senator Davis, Jim Davis. I have uh, Tommy Tucker. I have worked with some phenomenal legislators who got some great things done. I am trying to figure out where the divisiveness is coming from. And if I could figure that out, I'd wave a magic wand and get rid of it because these are smart people and they can do some powerful stuff. But this divisiveness is all in the way of doing what's best for North Carolina. So if I could just figure out what's causing this divisiveness, it's like a cancer and get rid of it, that's what I would do.
0: Could you do that? <laughs> I mean, but and maybe you can't say it. I, you're, you're a very humble person. I'm going to say it. I think if more folks in politics approached politics the way you do, we could fix our politics. You seem to transcend it. You seem to rise above it. I see you working with Democrats, Republicans, as you, you gave a list. That seems to be the answer. Be like Beth Wood.
2: I don't know about people like Beth Wood, but, but I think <laughs> Hashtag. Trend, I think transcending the, the politics. Um, we, we, I think, forget who we represent. Sometimes it gets to be all about us and not the citizens of North Carolina, and they're not always going to make the best decisions for themselves because we've got more of the bigger picture, the money, the, the budget, the revenues. We understand all that much better in Raleigh as a whole. But um, again, I, it, some of it sometimes just seems to be more about how can I have the last word? How can I have the best last word that will get quoted in the news? Or how can I not work with you? Because then it looks too much like we are becoming too close or whatever. And um, I, just, I, I just don't understand it. And people are suffering out there because of it.
0: Well, Auditor Beth Wood We appreciate everything you do for the state. You certainly know how to do politics better. Thank you for being on the podcast today.
2: It's my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: The Do Politics Better podcast is sponsored by the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. Beer and wine distributors in North Carolina are family-owned companies that directly employ more than 5,600 men and women across the state. The North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association works with the General Assembly to develop alcohol policies that ensure fairness in a competitive marketplace and promote responsible behavior. Visit the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association at ncbeerwine.com. For more information, anybody who has listened to the auditor speaking committee knows that she knows what she's talking about and she is such a well respected Council of State member.
0: Very much so. She, as we said in the interview, has managed to transcend politics. Legislators, most legislators on both sides of the aisle, appreciate the very straightforward way she approaches her job. She has saved the North Carolina taxpayer money. She has helped the General Assembly focus where they can invest money and do it in a way that they feel that they have some trust. She is on that back end to make sure that money is being spent well. The state is very fortunate to have her. Tweet of the week. Tweet of the week.
1: This week's Tweet of the Week was nominated by Sue Ann Forrest, who's a lobbyist, and she reached out to both of us. And the tweet is from Corey Friedman, and he is at CoreyWrites. And his tweet says, quote, Elections in North Carolina are becoming a complicated game of red light, green light for adults. End tweet.
0: And I saw a lot of references to the Squid Games. If you watch the Squid Games, there's the... The uh, girl doll at the front. It's the first Squid Games where she kind of eerily says, red light, and then everyone must stop, green light. Yeah. In referencing the ups and downs and stops and goes as it pertains to the redistricting cases and the courts. What a week. Good tweet.
1: This has been a whirlwind of a week for North Carolina and also for
0: us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We took what was supposed to be pretty much to the minute a 24-hour trip to Ohio and back where we will tell you folks you think it's cold here today. (laughs) It is cold in Ohio and Brian Lewis thinks that he transcends weather so he doesn't have to wear a coat.
0: Yeah. Well, I was told a car was going to pick us up. We were going to this law firm for this meeting. We were going to have a lunch, and then we're going to go back to the hotel. Why do I need a coat? I'm fine. But I step off that plane, and some of our transitions on airplanes was on tarmac. It was really, really cold in Akron, Ohio.
1: You make it sound like we flew private.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we didn't. (laughs) Akron is a really great small town. Up in Ohio. And the people are so very kind. Everyone we met in Akron was just so great. But on the Midwest
1: is best, some would say.
0: (laughs) The return trip. If you have followed our travels over the last five years, you may remember we got stuck in a Denver airport, we got stuck in a Nashville airport, and this week we got stuck in Akron.
1: I think technically we were in the city of green. That's what my phone said. it was the Akron Canton airport. They had eight gates and one place that if you close your eyes and imagine your local bowling alley and the concession stand there, that is the only place there was to sit down and eat. So we hung out there for a bit. But it was a nice little airport. We watched the snow fall from inside the airport. I mean, truly a Hallmark movie. They were playing some upbeat Christmas music the entire day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and our traveling... Uh companion if you will on this trip was raleigh attorney stacy miller we were up there for some meetings with him and you know after a while it just becomes comical for us to be stuck in an airport because we typically get to our destination fine yeah right that is true right we go it's fine it's the return trip that usually takes an entire day Of us just sitting and waiting, and we pass the time as we usually do.
1: Right. So yesterday, I got up at 310 to the sound of a train outside, and so two days in a row, 3 a.m. wake-up
0: calls. Why do you get up at 3 a.m.? Explain to our listeners why.
1: Well, if you know what time your flight is, I'm sure many people can relate to this. You know what time your flight is. You know what time you have to get to the airport, so you work backwards from your flight flights at 645, get to the airport 545, leave 530. That means that I need to be done with my workout at about 445 and in the shower. So that means I need to start my workout at about four. And I like to have time before my workouts. So then you got to get up at three. That's how it works. It's a timeline thing.
0: So here's the thing you need to know is that our our friend Stacy Miller was in room <laughs> 713. And just so happens that. Sky David here was in room eight thirteen.
1: <laughs> so, All right, I'm going to defend n- myself No, no, no.
0: Here. I'm coming out of I'm coming out of my room because we're meeting down in the lobby at five thirty a.m. to head to the airport. Okay. And Stacy says Sky was in room eight thirteen, right? <laughs> I said, Yeah. He's like, Man. All I did was hear her working out.
1: (laughs) I tried to find where the fitness center was yesterday morning. and I couldn't find it, and there was no one at the front desk because it was early. So I was like, I don't have time to waste, you know, because of my timeline. Mm -hmm. And so I just went back to my room and like did a little circuit in my room. So that's on me.
0: So we get back yesterday evening, made it to Philadelphia from Philadelphia and make it to Raleigh. It was a good time and a very productive meeting glad to be back and you know if i'm gonna be stuck in an airport it is one of the more amusing things to be stuck with sky david and if you ever travel with us just a warning if you ever travel with us you will be stuck with us when we're trying to return do you have plans for the weekend this weekend
1: i don't have big plans
0: you. we have a client that has a christmas banquet on saturday i'm looking forward to going to greensboro and hanging out with them and then we're going to the other side of hickory a little town called granite falls my wife's family is celebrating a little christmas gathering on sunday so we'll go from greensboro to hickory and then come back i'm looking forward to it
1: we look forward to talking with y'all next week but until then relax enjoy the christmas music and christmas spirit and remember to do politics
0: better you will be playing red light green light green
2: light red
0: light (gasps)
2: green light red light